Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday afternoon, and usually I'm done for the week, but... Moshe Levy in Israel uh, emailed me and asked me to do what boils down to a special uh, tefillah podcast, if I can, uh, not part of the regular series, for his uh, grandmother's yard site, which is now based Thomas Snow's on Shabbos. <laughs> so I'm doing this in Baltimore Friday afternoon in the middle of a terrible rain. In Israel, it's already Shabbos, I'm sure, I think. And made a case up when I'm on Shabbos over here. They'll be able to hear it um, over there because they're seven hours ahead. Uh, and it, it caught my attention for the following reason. He asked me to say something about al Kabbalah, the second paragraph of Elena. Why that? And he wrote to me that uh, this is a, this is the artist of his grandmother. Okay? Uh, his grandmother. Do I remember? I actually remember her um, from my childhood. That's the Sternfield family. That's his mom's mom. And uh, they, um, they, what do you call it? There's a family moving my neighborhood in Forest Park when I was a little kid. I think for Virginia or something like that. And the reason I remember is because, first of all, I remember that. And they're good friends with my father. This is all before Moshe <laughs> was born. Before his parents were married, I think. And um, uh, the Sternfields, Actually, were Shomer Shabbos. There weren't that many people. You know, when I was a little kid, uh, Baltimore, many places were full of shuls. They were Orthodox. Uh, that's true. But most of the people over there weren't fully observant. That's just the way, that was the sociology. Uh, my particular shul had a larger contingent, perhaps, of people that were Shomer Shabbos. Still was a small group compared to the whole. Uh, I'm taking you back to another world. These kind of shows don't exist anymore, at least not that I'm familiar with. A sociology no longer exists, and I remember the Sternfield parents, uh, grandparents in this case, uh, being nice people and and being uh, actually observant. That's unusual back in, in, in those days. And uh, so Moshe wrote to me from the Hespids from her funeral that they said she was very spiritual and when she opened the window shade so she could see Modani in the morning, that's a spiritual person. And she has apologized for sitting during Shimonastery and was too difficult to stand in old age. And Yil Rats in me feel this is I, I I tell you the truth, I didn't know she's like this. But here's the point. Here's the point. They made Aliyah long ago. Uh I'm reading you what she what was said at the uh Hanspin. She recent quote, she recently said that one of the most unbelievable tefillas is Al Kane Kavalicha after Elena. And she said, quote, you should really read the translation of that Philip. She said to her children and grandchildren. There's especially one line there that's most incredible. We asked her, which line is that? She said, you figure out for yourself. <laughs> I like that. Okay? So, um, uh, to her children, grandchildren, I should say, still friend lady grandchildren are sponsoring this year. <laughs> I guess you call it the Yotzim and the Minion, or what, the Extraordinary. Now, um, it's funny, 
because obviously I'm quite familiar with the Alkane, and it's actually very fascinating. It's an extremely weird uh, prayer from the Jewish perspective. Not really, but I'll tell you what I mean in a second. And it's controversial. There are many Nusachs that don't recite it. You know, I was in, uh, I've been around the world a little bit, and I remember in Italy and a few other places I've been at, they, they say Olenu, they don't say Alkane de Kabucho, which is interesting. Now, right off the bat, I'll tell you what, how I understand what jumps at me. That's all I can ever do. What's unique about the second paragraph of Elenu? Uh There's no mention of the Jewish people whatsoever. Listen closely. We have a Jewish religion, which is a funny nature. We believe in one God, but this God has a special relationship with the Jewish people. And the two the two concepts are intertwined almost inextricably. You know, God is not giving my monodian interpretation, you know, in the Ten Commandments, like you find in the 13 Principles, you give liquor, you know, he's a momsy calling him, him and all that stuff. Right? God doesn't say, I'm the, I'm the first cause. I'm the necessity, necessity. All that kind of talk. I saved your hides when you were in Egypt. I did miraculously. So, the Jewish religion is, in certain respects, a selfish religion. We believe in one God, but this God likes us better than anybody else. And therefore, we um, have a special relationship because we're related to the boss. You see? You other dummies, you're not. We're related to the boss, and he likes me more than he likes you. And therefore, he gives me a coat of many colors, and he doesn't give you anything. The Rambam famously says this, makes this point. I'm sure I've mentioned it many times. In the Geras Taman, when he says, Harsina is Harsina. That when God chose, for whatever reason, to give the Ten Commandments and the Torah to the Jewish people, and he gave to the Jews and not to the others, obviously made the others angry. So one of the essential features of the Jewish religion is the monotheistic idea tied at the head with the election of Israel as uh, Amsegula. Okay? And particularly when we don't deserve it. Right? As Samson Raphael Hirsch said so famously, if all the Jews were what he calls Menshi Yisrael, if all of us were honest as the day is long, and we were righteous, and so on and so forth. We led exemplary lives. No! The guy can handle that, right? They can handle that. You know, they live different. They uh, are Orla uh, Ahmed, uh, and so on and so forth. All right, I see why God picked him, right? Matter of fact, it's too hard for me to do. The way Lahavdol, the way a Catholic looks at the at the monks and the, and the sisters, you know, the nuns, is a special order. But the problem, of course, my friends, is that we Jews don't act that way. There are very few people that match the Sam's Rainville Hurst standard, okay? That they're honest as the day is long, they're good, so on and so forth. You know, we're not. And Alpha became, it's a, it's a basic principle of Judaism, that the worst Jew is better than whatever a part of Claudius Israel. It's famous that, um, I'm sure I mentioned this, that when the Frankists went off to Derech and they converted to uh, Christianity in 1756 or so, the Frankists, uh, the rabbis were happy because we're getting rid of his junk. Let him go in and join another religion and get him out of our ranks. And the Baal Shem Tov was all upset because he said a Jewish neshama is being cut off from the tree, you know. Some say he killed him. That's a sensibility, you know, we're familiar with 
knowing the Jews as well as we do, it's hard to identify with it. But it's a basic feature of Judaism. Now, suppose I told you the Jewish religion involves the glory of God, and the Jews are there for a couple thousand years, and then they're destroyed. He said, well, I don't like that religion. Wait a minute, God is still God. You're telling me you're in awe of his majesty. He's a kol yachol, and so on and so forth. You know, why does it have to be that the Jewish people gain by that? No, 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 it's a deal, <laughs> right? So it's almost like our monotheism is based on a certain tenai. You get it? You know, yes, we believe in all the rest of it. But in return, we get special uh, favors. We get special privilege. Now, um, really, 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 if you're Lishma, you don't talk like that. You say, even if cholesterol was wiped out or something like that, God forbid. Uh, I still would yearn for the divine glory to be expanded. And if that would make the cover Shemayim bigger, then let it happen. But that's not the way the Jewish religion, Jewish people develop. It's not how we are. We say the opposite. You know, or something like that. You know, the Jewish people are part of this. And most, if you think about it, particularly in the prayer book, most of our expressions of monotheism are usually intertwined with ethnicity. This is all highly ethnic, highly national, correct? Highly national. And most of the prayers that I can think of are like that. They don't talk in universal, pure universalistic language. Okay? They don't do that. So you can't say, that's who the Jewish religion is. That's all. It's got this feature, it's got that feature. Now, you can come with any theology you want. But again, Sam Serenfield Hirsch said once, very wisely, that the Jewish people don't have a theology, they have a sitter. And what he meant by that was something, in my opinion, very profound. That, you know, it's not a Maimonidean system, or a Kuzari system, or Herman Cohn, or any of these kind of things, you know. You construct a, 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 a philosophical way of talking. That is not how the Jewish people worked out over the course of the history, their understanding of divine matters. Because the Rov Am never could read the Marnebuchim, never read the Mesil Sharm, couldn't read anything. You know, that as well as I do. Right? Um, where did Jewish people, our ancestors, our bubbies, 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 bubby, right? Where did they get their ideas about the world, about existence, the reality, the answer from the sitter. Ah, you tell me they knew all the prayers. You know, they knew some prayers. Right? Get it? They knew Modani, they knew Elena in general way. You know what I'm saying? The basic prayers. And the Jew with a little bit more education. I'm not talking about any um, smicha, PhD. Regular Jew, he understood the regular uh, prayers of Davening, which he recite by road every day. And believe it or not, these ideas sort of imprinted themselves on the folk memory of the Jewish people. That's the point I think of Hirsch, and I think he's correct. Now, an exception to everything is the second paragraph of Olenu. It doesn't mention anything there that I can think of about the future glory of Claudio. Right? It's very interesting. It is, of course, um, the second half of Olenu. Uh, Olenu is an unusual prayer because there are all kinds of legendary things connected with Olenu. But let's strip it to basics. Olenu, you're saying that we're a chosen people and we're glad you chose us because we acknowledge you're, you as sovereign. 
So the first half is ethnic. It's monotheism slash ethnic. So it's a very typical Jewish kind of prayer. It's a very typical uh, prayer. Okay? But it focuses on the uh, theological because and it goes on to say, as we all know, that, uh, uh, what do you call it? He's one. So we're glad that you gave us this um, knowledge of who you are, O Lord, and uh, the other guys don't get it, and we're really glad that we get it, and we want to thank you for informing us of this. But then it goes on to say um, the following. In spite of the fact that we're a chosen people, we do not envision a perfect world as consisting only of Jews. Now, this is actually revolutionary being thousands of years old to say that. Why don't you simply say like this? You know, come Mashiach time, all the grain will drop dead, only Jews will be left, the meek will inherit the earth. Everybody will have 10,000 acres because everybody else will be gone and we'll rule the world. It was a time people it was a time people imagined there'll be slaves or something like that. You don't need slaves. You get robots in the jungle like that. You know, high tech. That's a Hitlerian kind of uh, a way of looking at it. You kill everybody else or get rid of everybody else and the meek inherit the earth. Okay? And Ruben will be here and she will be here. There's even probably a medic or two somewhere that the earth is all filled the world. You know, I don't know, something like that. Now, you say, you see, you got had your chance. Uh, we got the Torah. You could have converted. You could have followed us. You had thousands of years. You blew it. Matter of fact, you turned on us. Now you got what's coming to you. Now you're gone. You're part of the dustbin of history. And that would make sense. So the the, the future world would consist of just a cloudy throw. Right? Listen, that's how the Christians see it. In their theology, who'll be left at the end? Just them. How do Muslims see it that way? Who'll be left? Just them. You understand? So it's very interesting. Not the Jews. We don't say that. We actually say like this. Despite what all the government have done to us, we actually want good for you. You understand? You're too dumb to realize it. You're too dumb to realize it. We're actually your best friends. We'd like to show you the way to the Golden Road. So it's a variation on the universalistic prayers that we said in Rosh Hashanah. When you say, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, uh, what, those, are, those are prayers for mankind. Right? Now, if you ask me, me, myself, and I, standing here now, am I interested in mankind? I have to speak emotionally. So I don't give a damn for mankind because they're pretty bad to me. I got nothing against people who are not bad to me. I like them. I want to be their friends if you want to be my friends. But there's huge parts of mankind that hate me, want me gone. I want you dead too. See? That's an that's a emotional Kishka response. But really, when you read Alkain, and I'm talking about me as well as anybody else, then you get like a sting. And you say, no, that's, cats, that's not the right way to be. That's incorrect. Now, I'll tell you again, from an emotional level, I say this group produced a terrorist and blew up a Jewish thing. Heck with them, right? But I read Al-Kane, and I say, it can't be like that. I don't want their death. I don't want their misfortune. I want their enlightenment. 
I want their enlightenment. And again, I repeat, there's nothing about the Jewish destiny whatsoever. It's pure universalism. I want the world to be monotheistic, to see your glory. Get rid of the Avodah the second Olam Malchushadai. This is where we get Tikkun Olam from. <laughs> right? I repeat. The Takin Olam Malchushadai. What does that mean? That's the Goyim. The second Olam Malchushadai. I want the Goyim to be part of Malchushadai. I did just go. No. So here you come to the basic uh, old belief, which um, you can see articulated perhaps in a certain funny way, but nevertheless in a certain way. In um, Lutzato, Derech Hashem, or if you went to English, just get the Arya Kaplan book, that Handbook of Jewish Thought, because he uses these ideas quite liberally. I'm serious. Get the Handbook of Jewish Thought, and I remember he has on Israel or something like this. And the way they write is, we have Adam and Eve, so the whole human race should have been um, chosen. Can I use that word? But Adam and Eve screwed up, and Cain and Hevel screwed up, and then later on, all mankind screwed up. And Noah screwed up until finally got to Avram and he got it right. So the ten generations from Adam to Noah and ten generations from Noah to Avram are like when mankind had the chance to be Israel. And now, and now, uh, they blew it so only Avram's children get to be Israel. That is the way they used to write these things up. Okay? And that's how they used to do this. Now, um, Again, look at that already careful. Or, if you wish, go ahead and, and read the Der uh, Hashem from Ramchal. Right? They're not the only ones, but they put in simplest language. So what that means is, the real plan is not like the Noah story. In the Noah story, Taka happened. Everybody got killed, and only good guys were left. As we all know, that's the Noah story. The Abraham story is a different story. Right? The Abraham story is he goes and tries to help others. Why should he help others? Why does he say Chabzai Al and Bud let the, all the Canaanites die and I'll take over the land? It's not the Abraham way. It's not from Yosiako. This is the universalistic side of Judaism that we don't see too often because since we've been beaten up so often, it <laughs> doesn't appeal to us. Get it? Doesn't appeal to us. But it's there, and the fact that our liturgy has evolved in such a way. That we have every day to say I'll came to Kabbalah three times, unless you're Italian Spartic, Western Spartic. I wonder why they left it out. I wonder if it's because of the terrible persecution that they suffered, and he said the heck with the Christians. I don't know. I don't know. But in most notes, we all say it. And again, I want all human beings to turn to you. So I don't want the death of the wicked, I want the reform of the wicked, the enlightenment. He says it black and white. I want all the wicked to turn to you. Right? So I don't want Hamas to get wiped out. Now, today I do. <laughs> right? After what they're doing, I do. I want the Nasrallah and all that junk to kick the bucket right now. But I'm not supposed to. What I really want is, uh, how does it go? What's all that about? We want, the Jewish people want the best for mankind. We got the message first. 
We are bearers for better or worse of the message. We would like the rest of the world to catch up. And we'd like... To, uh, so by us, a Mashiach site is a time of universal um, peace and prosperity. It's a universal utopia. Now there are those thinkers who aren't like that. And you could even possibly read the Rambam like that. Uh, for his reasons, you know. Because he says, It's not clear. Because the Rambam eventually talks about Olam Haba. It's not clear. But overall... The Alcane, and I think, I mean, I'm guessing. I think this is what um, Moshe's mother, the art said is tonight in Shabbos. I think this is what she had in mind when she said you should read the translation of Tefillah because it's extremely idealistic. I don't, I don't, remember, I don't know her well, but if she was a child of the middle 20th century, then she was an idealist. Uh, in my distant youth, believe it or not, when I was real little. People actually believe in the United Nations uh, once upon a time, and they thought it's possible to end war, and they thought utopia is, is within grasp. Uh, things have turned different, and we're back to the old 18th century world of dog eat dog, and every country's out for itself. But there was a time when think people didn't think like that. And idealistic people, Jewish people, from people, if you want the source of that, it's al Qaeda. And, and I'm guessing. Right, I'm guessing that either she meant Lusakino Malchashade, that would be just a broad thing, or more importantly, because that's a powerful statement. I don't want the death of Hitler, I want Hitler to reform. Now, now I want the death of Hitler, you know, but you know, what I'm, you understand what I'm saying. Let's say before he pulled off a Holocaust, you know, before that, I wanted to change his mind. I wanted, and not stop changing his mind, I wanted to be enlightened. I wanted to realize that Derek I've been going on this. The wrong derech for me, right? It's the wrong derech because it's the wrong derech. There's right and there's wrong. And in this case, what God wants is, uh, you know, monotheism with the ethics associated with monotheism. Because um, that's what it means, you know, whatever the language is over there. So you want the Kabbalah, Malchus Shamayim, which is a language that we use, but you know it's a it's a it's a highly human, of course. I mean, obviously, it's a human language, uh, which is quite uh, what's the right word? Gashmiistic. Uh, but in in the good way, right? If everybody has one king, I'll, I'll repeat what I just said. If the whole world had one king, you're not gonna have wars. This is the dream in the last two hundred years of all the isms, even communism, Marxism, you know, part of the main program was eventually all the countries should join as one, and then, you know, uh, you won't have national uh, differences, and there'll be no more wars. You get it? If there's all one country, you don't have wars, right? Today, we're more cynical about that. Even within a country, you can have wars. We hope America doesn't have wars, civil wars. We don't, Israel doesn't have civil wars. It's possible. But in theory... If everybody's macabre to one king, then you don't have all the trouble that you have in the world. So, um, the Alcane is sort of like a, what's the right word? Uh, peace, set peace, something like that, point, counterpoint with the Olenu. It builds up. The Olenu said we're really proud that we know this one God. But if the Olenu was just there by itself, like the Italians leave out the second half, then it just becomes like this. We know you going don't know. Ha, ha, ha. Now, to be fair, 
the original Lenu is in in Rosh Hashanah. Like that, um, they do also the Sfarim, the Western Sfarim. Rosh Hashanah is a time when we emphasize these themes, uh, but only then. So Chain Tain Pachter and all the rest of it is in Rosh Hashanah, and Al Madinas Boi Amir is Rosh Hashanah, and we have certain other prayers that talk about the universalistic aspects of it, and then Al Kain Nekava. Although technically, it's from um, you know the Malchias and the Chronos the Malchias. But it's 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 a it's a powerful statement of pure universalism. So, in the best sense of the word, we hope everybody will become Klal Yisrael. Immediately, the Jews say, "What are you talking about? It's not true." No, it is. We want, in the long run, you know, uh, the whole human race to reach this level. They ain't there, and they're very far away. You know, and they would have to, I guess, come to us for uh, what's the right word, apprenticeship and stuff like that. But it could be done. And this is the meaning when you find from time to time in Chazals, because Chazal usually, usually are very nationalistic. They're the leaders of the team. Chazal are usually very ethnic. You know, that's the overwhelming majority of it. But not always, right? And there's a famous Chelta um, that raises the point that the Ten Commandments were not given to the land of Israel. They're given in the middle of nowhere. Dimas Parhesia. Look it up in the Mechilta. You understand? I think it was the Rashbi. Shem ben Yochai may mention it. Let me put it this way. From an ethnic... I'll use the word Satmar, you know, for shtick. From a Satmar point of view, right? From a Babajar point of view, the Torah, the story didn't happen right. Here's what should have happened. Moshe should have led the Jews out of Israel. Out of Egypt, I'm sorry. Moshe should have led the Jews out of Egypt crossed over to Israel in a couple of days, drove out or wiped out all the Goyim, then all the Jewish people should have gathered in Yerushalayim, around Har Maria, in the holiest place in the world, the place where the Akeda took place, the case where Yaakov had the ladder in the dream, literally, the epicenter of Kedusha, right? The Akeda, Yaakov, the epicenter of Kedusha, and this holiest of holy places they should have gotten the Ten Commandments in the Torah. And then you'd say, the Kaddish thing was done in the Kaddish place. Right? The Kaddish thing was done in the Kaddish place. Uh, and it would be, it would be like tying the bow on the nice story of Jewish supremacy, whatever you want to call it, you know, superiority. But it didn't happen that way. Instead, as we all know, God chose to do on Mount Chorib and Har Sinai, which is not in Israel. Wait a minute. It's not in Israel. How's that work? It should have been in the Eretz Kodesh, in a holy area. Why is it Dimas Parhesio? Why was it in the Hefkerdika area? Dimas Parhesio means any place open to the Dimas, to any of the people of the universe. Dimas, like Democrat, right? Why was it done that way? It's a good question. And the answer, of course, is the Ten Commandments are actually meant to be for everybody. Now, the human race didn't want it at that time, and therefore the Ten Commandments the essence, now I'm talking like the Ramban at the beginning of the Chumash, you know, in the intro, the Torah itself as an essential form, which then eventually got, when it was given to human beings, it was translated into form of human words. Right? Translated into form of human words. It's a very Kabbalistic idea. Remember Lubavitch, I have a big thing in the, in the last part of the Tanya. You know, uh, if, it assumed the form of the letters that it did. Once it did that, and it was confined to one group, 
because the others weren't ready to accept it. So then all of a sudden, Sanuchi Hashem Alkecho, Hashem Tzisich Meretz Yitzrayim. Had the human race been willing to accept it, I'll give you an example. Let's say we all know the Medrash. Uh, he went to Edom. They said no thanks. They went to Ishmael. They said no thanks. They went to Esau. They said no thanks. What if they would have said thanks? We'll take it. Obviously, the Torah God at that point would have given to Esau or to Ishmael or whoever would not have said Anochi Hashem Alkecho Hashem Tzisich he didn't take them out of Egypt. Agree? You understand? It got translated into the form of the ethnocentricity of the Jews. But in its essential form, uh, in its pure form, it was a universal for the human for the human race. So uh, that's why I think that that's the base of the language as I understand it, where you find statements in Chazal, Mashiach time, some of the misses won't count, whatever. I think they have to do, I mean, I'm not clear on it, that, you know, the, the, there'll be a universal enlightenment, therefore the Torah will have to be somewhat modified or something like that. Shamayim chadoshim, eretz chadoshim, whatever, who knows, you know, for for a wider human race. So, um, I think you see where I'm going. And, uh, it's like a corrective. All of our other prayers are extremely ethnocentric. Um, and that's fine, because we Jews have a lot of enemies, always have. And to some degree, we always have to conduct our lives like, like a wagon train surrounding, you know, and holding off the wild Indians. And if we have to hold the home ground, have to be mechazic to hold home ground. Uh, and we do. Uh, but a real Jew can't give up on the universalistic. And... Every day, those who don't like the Universalists, yeah, a bunch of Goyim, this, that, and the other, you're stuck with the Alkane. <laughs> right? Because I'll tell you again, don't say anything about Yisrael in that paragraph. Don't say anything about the Jewish people. Don't say, oh, the Goyim will then come and say, oh, you know, like the Gemara, and, you know, oh, we were sorry, we bothered you, and we really meant well, none of that stuff. It's Yaki Reidu Kol Yeshu Visei You know, all that. So, what you're really saying is like this. Even if we were not a chosen people, we would still want your name and existence and your Hanhogas to be followed by the human race. And we're even willing, you know, to sacrifice our most precious possession, which is our special Jewish uh, um, Kesher. Now, I bet you a lot of people couldn't agree with what I just said. It's such a part of them, you know, they wouldn't see this as part of Lishma, but it's a Lishma thing. Right? Don't worry, it won't happen. <laughs> Not really. Because we're guaranteed the way that we understand it, you know, the Clyde was part of it. It's not really gonna happen. But but you can hear the Vart that somebody should say, I'm I would want your glory even if it meant I was losing this. Anyway, that's what I think is a really unique about uh Al And we say it three times a day. Um sometimes more. No, about three times a day. I think most people just rumble it off, which is understandable. It's the end of davening and so on and so forth. But here's a lady whose yard side is, is Shabbos, who didn't rumble it off. You know? She actually took the trouble to read it. And if you take the trouble to read it, then you're transported into a different... Uh, you're taken out of the uh, prayer ghetto, shall I say, it, that we all inhabit. I think we all live in a prayer ghetto, which is a very comfortable place. It's like my office. I set it up the way I like it. Maybe it's a little messy. Maybe it's this. This is what I'm comfortable with. 
So we all call Israel a mental ghetto of various sorts. One of them is a tefillah ghetto. But the Alkane takes it, forces you to, to, to go out into the street, outside the ghetto. Anyway, that's what I think about the subject. And um, I do pay tribute to the memory. Of that, I guess, Moshe, we should be hearing this after Shabbos over in Israel. I wish everybody else a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.